Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi folks, I would like to introduce myself. My name is Payal and I am a traveller who also loves to meet people. And I think a blend of both is where this concept of melting pot has come about. In my Melting Pot series, I will be talking to lots of inspiring people from different parts of the world and also from different cultures, whom I meet during all my travels. The common factor between these folks will be the desire to follow their passion and make it a way of life. So step into this melting pot and enjoy the chats. Hi listeners, welcome to another episode of Melting Pot, a series of conversations with very, very diverse and passionate people from across the globe. My guest today needs absolutely no introduction. Michelle Martin from Singapore is an award-winning lead news anchor and she has a background in current affairs and journalism. But other than this, um, Michelle is also an accomplished voice actor. I read an interview recently where Michelle has said that her biggest skill is knowing how to listen. Thank you for chatting with me today, Michelle. I think today I will be doing all the listening and you'll be doing all the talking. Oh my goodness. There's a reason you call this a melting pot, isn't it? I feel like I'm in the pot already. So I'm switching roles today. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, let's hear your story, Michelle. All right, just for you. I usually try to keep myself out of the story as a journalist, so... Uh, this is going to be fun. But I guess Melting Pot is all about personal stories and personal <laughs> journeys of some, you know, interesting and accomplished people. Sounds like fun. I'm ready to roll. Great. So, Michelle, you are from Singapore, right? Yes. Born oh. and bred. Okay. And so how did you, I mean, were you always interested in, you know, the, the medium of news and journalism? Did you just stumble on it? Was it something that, you know, you always wanted to do? Or it's one of those things that just fell on your lap? Or, or how, how did it all happen? I always was in love with words. I've always been in love with the power of words. When I graduated, I thought maybe copywriting, you know, because you get really into the words. Um, I tried copywriting for a while, and then I realized that I didn't like using words to sell necessarily. It wasn't just about copywriting for advertising that I wanted to do. I knew there was something more. So they often say journalism is a calling, and I think it is because I've been in journalism for 20 years, 
And the day I started till today, it still fills me with that passion. And I am so excited by what I do. Every single interview is brand new. And really, you're only as good as your last show. So I think I'm working harder now than when I started out. So did journalism fall into my lap? I think I made a very conscious decision. I applied to be a journalist with MediaCorp, which is you know nationwide network. And when I got the job, I was thrilled. So a year into it, when they offered me the position of anchoring my own show, I actually said no, because I really thought that I wanted to be a journalist, which is a very different skill set from being in a studio and anchoring a show for a couple of hours at a go. I thought I wanted to be on the move out there, pounding the pavement, speaking with people, really piecing together your stories the way you would an intricate tapestry. You know, you can work for a whole day on a story that runs a minute and a half versus being an anchor where you're really on the spot. You're the voice of the, the network or you're the, and you very much have to hold the show throughout in a very particular space every day. I thought I'd get bored, frankly. But I haven't. And I think it boils down to the fact that as a journalist, you develop a way of seeing and a way of hearing. You realize that things and people and stories are not always what they seem. And your job is to pierce that layer and to get at the real story, get at the real person. And that sense of discovery still makes the job exciting. Was it always radio or did you also dabble in television? Yes, I have dabbled in television as recently as during Singapore's last general election, I was on a Straits Times version of television, which is ported out on YouTube, for example, so small screen TV. But uh, we held coverage, live coverage of Singapore's general election in the run-up to it. Uh, on the day itself, I did seven hours worth of commentary at what was called a situation desk, where we analyzed the results of the elections as they were coming in, breaking the numbers down for the voters. It was very exciting. Um, but that was live and to camera. Yeah. Right. What do you think is the difference between in terms of television journalism versus radio journalism? What the two, the two different mediums, you know, I mean, the common factor obviously is journalism. But what do you think is the difference between the two platforms? I think that people don't realize how much television is a group effort. So when you are on screen, there is a director in your year who is very specific about the angles and the areas that he wants to go in a particular interview. So you're putting in your insight as a journalist, but you're also, you also have one year it's a very strange situation to be in because you have one year listening to your guest, but you have another year listening to your director telling you where to go. And then besides that pre-show, you might be sitting down with a team of writers and researchers discussing and brainstorming uh, where you want to take a particular broadcast. And it's a very much more collaborative approach to discovering meaning as opposed to radio where you do feel like a lot of control is in your hands because radio is live right and if you have a guest willing to come along with you in that live setting it's very much more vibrant it's controlled by you primarily as the host because you decide the direction based on what the host is giving to you the interviewee is giving to you at that particular moment so there's a lot of more there's more room for improvisation i would say in radio versus in tv 
And so all the research, like you mentioned that for television, um, you have a, a team of writers and, you know, who kind of do all the research and you do the, uh, the, the presenting of it. When it comes to the medium of radio, are you also doing the research or is there a similar format like it is on television? It's a very different format. And I must say, even for television, for the last show that I did, which was seven hours of commentary, I worked alone based on my own research. I did have a director in my ear, um, but in terms of the research, the background, the angles, I pretty much did it myself. And with radio, you do have support at times. So it depends on what kind of show you're doing. It depends on uh, what kind of resources are available for that particular show. So it can you can have maybe a, a team of writers supporting you at any one time, or it can just be you. But for radio, I still feel like you, you can't get out of doing your own research because at the end of the day, that's just you and, and the guest live on air. And you have to respond to what the guest is saying. Yes, you know, there can be somebody in your ear, but the way I do radio, when, when I host, it's just me. There's nobody else in my ear you know, sharing with it, like the interview to go, shaping it up as we go along. And I do my research mostly by myself. But I do have support, I have to say. I do have production support, um, background information that does help tremendously. Okay, so you present a talk show on Money FM, right? So it's mainly focused on <laughs> clearly money, right? <laughs> I like you got it. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, only one in 10 Singaporeans have a brokerage account. So there's a lot of people out there who don't feel that they have the knowledge to get into the stock market. Not everybody's born into the same family when it comes to knowing how to make your money work for you. So I wanted to build a show that would help more people take control of their money. Not just about getting to the stock market, it is quite stock market focused in terms of market commentary, where the market's moving, there's an anti-financial IPO, should you get into it, how, what is an ETF, should you include that in your portfolio. But I, we also broaden it to how do you plan for your retirement? So Payal, if you wanted $4 million by the time you were 65, would you say you're on track to doing that? Do you have a plan laid out? That's a real question, Payal. Oh, I, I, you are. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, you, you stumped me for a second. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a retirement plan um i i well sort of but uh, i am more of a you know think about today and you know right. enjoy today and now and and then you know the i know that definitely somewhere there is if not me then my husband's definitely on it but uh, <laughs> so it gives me the flexibility of not having to think about it um as much and yeah so yeah i'm more of a enjoy today kind of person and think about now because now is never going to come back so make the most of it now and today <laughs> and let let my and husband handle the rest of and it. That's fine. Yeah. But there are also, I mean, our show is a resource for people who want to, for example, think about 
uh, a living will or they want to think about what they can do. The greatest gift that you can give to your loved ones is perhaps decide on your last um, wishes should you be incapacitated mentally. So how do you get that into order? What's the difference between that and the living will? So we talk about all aspects of gaining control over your wealth uh, and you don't have to necessarily be wealthy but how do you control money in your life so that money doesn't control you you control money right and how how to how to be able to manage it right because uh if you're able to manage it whatever whatever resources you may have or whatever amount of money you may have like you mentioned earlier you don't have to be wealthy wealthy but to be able to manage whatever wealth you have and be able to live within it and be able to you know keep that future in mind i guess that's what you know you're referring to right yeah so it's about control basically you feeling like you're in the driver's seat because it can be really soul crushing um if you're in an environment where you're you don't have enough and you're living hand to mouth or you don't understand the flows of money and so you just can't make it till the end of the month so i talked to a young man today he was 20 he's 23 years old and he grew up in an environment where you know it really was they had to scrimp and save to make it to the end of the month and so from age 12 he started working because his goal was to retire his parents he didn't want them to work so hard and he wanted to take on the burden himself and along the way he taught himself so much in terms of starting a business so that now at age 23 he can say he has a six figure business that's bringing in allowed him to save 300,000 by the, before his 23rd birthday which is in November and which is a source of income that he's tremendously proud of having been being able to build with his own creativity and he wanted to share some money tips that he had with other gen z's you know the millennials i don't know what yeah. gen- Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Yeah. Gen Z's now. Gen Z's, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to share how to build a business because he's so passionate in terms of ROI he sees that as uh, something that has fed his income screams more than being in the stock market so yeah that was a fascinating story wow that's interesting you're listening to a fusion of stories recounted for the first time ever by some fascinating people from across the globe with me Pio on this very unique and special podcast series melting pot coming back to you Michelle have you ever thought or because i remember when we started this conversation you mentioned that it was words that 
you were fascinated with and essentially expression, right? And how to words that would enable you to express yourself. And so very free flow kind of writing. So have you ever thought of writing a book? Yes, yes, for sure. Actually, I was invited to, you know, I did have a publisher come up to me twice um, and offer to publish what I wanted to write and at the time I just had so many projects going on I didn't have the time that I knew I, I, I know myself I'm a recovering perfectionist I probably will not recover in this lifetime so I just didn't have the time that I would need to to pour into a book but do I dabble with fiction with poetry with uh, the grand novel that I might sometime finish yes absolutely Okay, so you dabble with it and do you like occasionally, you know, write pages and, and stuff like that <laughs> or it's all in your head? <laughs> a great imaginary novel. Okay. Uh, well, I think, you know, writing is a trim. I've always written, whether it's diaries or writing has been an important part of my life. I think it helps. I mean, the basis of a discovery session for a show for me starts with a mind map. So I need to put pen to paper. It helps to get the ideas flowing. The, I did write a short story. Whether I'll let anybody read it, I'm not sure. Eventually, I'll get over it and I'll, I will let people read my work. But, you know, I have such great reverence for beautiful writing, whether it's Orhan Pamuk or Arthur Lee, you know, Salman Rushdie, great, great writers. So... It's almost inconceivable for me to think that I would be able to put out a book as good as the books that I've enjoyed in my life, you know? Yeah, but I don't think and there can never be a comparison, right? Because every author, every writer, every poet, it's there. I mean, unless it's non, unless it's sort of historical, it's their perception of things, right? So you can't really, every writer is unique in that sense. So I, I think it's not fair for you to compare your writings or whatever you've, you know, penned down short stories that you're not um, willing to to publish, but I'm sure they'll be phenomenal stories. I guess, you know, I, I'm also, because books are my pet, so uh, I also do review books on my shows, and so I get a lot of bad books sent my way. I get a lot of terrible writing that should never be published. So, <laughs> I, uh, you know, people have different definitions of what should go into a book, and I guess because I have sort of judged books or book awards or reviewed books for, for my own show, I have, I have high standards for myself. So, <laughs> what, uh, what kind of books do you review? Are they mainly nonfiction and are they money related or different genres? You know, there are books that I think will feed your soul. They could be they could be books about money because I mean, frankly, a lot of working professionals, in order to justify the time that it takes to get through a book, they like to focus on nonfiction because people like to feel they're upskilling more, they're getting a new skill, right? But I like to look at a whole range of books, and and frankly, it is books that I feel will enrich you in some way as in enliven you in some way. So that's what I look for. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Tell me about your voice acting. So are there like, you know, do you even find the time to do voice projects? Yeah, I do. I mean, because I have, I sort of have a studio at home as well. So it's pretty easy for me to uh, lay out 
any voice work, whether it's backing for a documentary or it's uh, a short advertisement or it's an ad for TV or it's a voiceover where you have to play a little child or a sponge. It's it's fun, right? I mean, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I love yeah i mean i absolutely i'm a voice actor as well so you can you know there's so much you can uh, play around with and you know you're clearly you're acting through your voice it's probably harder um to do that because you have to convey so much um without you know without so your voice is the expression and your voice is what will communicate at the other end you know so Whereas with acting, there are so many other acting on camera. There's so many other elements that can distract. Whereas with the voice, it's just the voice and no distractions, right? So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite an, int- in, I think it's a very intriguing um, medium. And um, yeah, I do loads of voiceovers as well and all different genres. And I, I absolutely love it. So, but unlike you, I was in the corporate world and then, you know, I did that for 15 years and then I said, nope, I'm going to become a voice actor. And I completely switched, you know, what I was doing, switched industry, started all over again and and then have now added on podcasting. So I, I love the whole idea of being able to experiment and, you know, and I think every everything new um, that you experiment with, you learn a lot from. So and and I can say that every guest and I, I'm sure it's the same with you. Every guest that you talk to, there's a learning from it, right? And, and always, mostly a positive takeaway, isn't it? Yeah, it's an open door university, I like to say, that I've had in the last 20 <laughs> years. Everybody who comes in, the unbeknownst to them, I am soaking up a lot of their specialized information by osmosis, I like to say. It's a very special you know, place to be in when somebody comes in and, and is willing to chat with you. And then very often that turns into a real friendship sometimes or a situation where you're helping out on their committees, they sit on your committee. So it's a relationship that grows. It can, it can be and it's tremendously enriching in that sense too, you know, because it's real human contact, but not just for a story sometimes. Sometimes you're fortunate enough to make a good friend. Yeah, absolutely. I I completely agree with that because I I mean, I feel that a lot of the guests that I have uh, had conversations with, you know, over the past, I mean, since I started um, my podcast journey, a lot of them are my friends now and I'm still in touch with them. And, you know, it's just, it's fascinating, especially if you're a people's person and you're, I'm sure, a people's person as well. I can hear that in your voice. Um, so, well, <laughs> Michelle, you and I are going to be friends now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Payal. <laughs> Point taken. <laughs> Point taken, right. <laughs> So anything else that, uh, Michelle, you'd like to share with um, my listeners, you know, from all over the, the world, anything and, and different age groups, you know, from, I mean, I have 
all sorts of uh, people who who listen in. So anything that you'd like to share, anything about Singapore, anything about, you know, about your travels, what you read, anything that you think will be interesting for my listeners? Well, I think if you're young and you want to hone your voice and you want to own your voice, the best thing that you can do is really listen to yourself. Not a lot of people do that. They get really caught up with the, you know, how do I perform? And actually, I think public speaking, being able to speak confidently to a group, even though there are no groups right now because we're living in this strange pandemic world, but there are virtual groups that you still do have to present to or will have to present to during your lifetime. So owning your voice, learning how to communicate a message using as few words as possible, that there is my journalism background coming into the fore because I think that's the essence of communication, right? Being able to hold someone's attention um, so use as few words as possible, compress meaning. That's a skill that I'm still learning and I'm still honing every single day. But the best thing you can do for yourself if you're young and you're not sure and you're tentative is to realize, number one, there's a difference between reading a script. A lot of people find a lot of comfort in, oh, I have to do a presentation, so I think I'll write everything down word for word and read it. And, and that's awful. Very often it sounds stilted and scripted, and there's a reason why Amazon has banned PowerPoint presentations in their corporate culture, because it's very easy to smuggle in bad ideas via PowerPoint. Right, Payal, have you looked at PowerPoint charts and then been hypnotized by them because they're so bewildering, you sort of check out? Yeah, 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 I know what you mean, yeah. So Amazon, they, you know, they're required to write everything down on a piece of paper as a story and then let that sell the idea. And Amazon's all about creating for the future. So it's very interesting an approach because it says if you want your product to work in the future, you first have to write a story about how that fits into the future. And, you know, you hear people talk about vision boards all the time, right? This is so yeah. Starting with the end in mind, isn't it, if you think of Amazon's approach? So that's interesting, I think. Start with the end in mind, put it down on paper, but at the same time, when you are presenting, I'll put that paper away. You know, you have to somehow internalize that message and then learn to think as you speak yeah, and listen so to yourself. Basically, yeah, be convinced about what you're saying. Yeah, and let go of that piece of paper. And, and listen to yourself, so tape yourself, hear how you sound, hear how you're conveying meaning, hear how you're relating to other people. Very few people actually listen to themselves because we're so attuned to, you know, listening to what everybody else is saying. So listen to your own voice. On that note, uh, thank you so much, Michelle. I've really enjoyed uh, my chat with you today and I'm sure my listeners will soak in every single thing that you have said. When you're ready to meet outside and not virtually, then I'd love to, <laughs> to catch up with you for a cup of coffee. That would be great. That sounds good, Payal. Thank you very much. It's uh, been great. It's been good fun. Thank you so much, Michelle. Thank you. It was a great chat with Michelle. She has really honed in her skill as a news and talk show host. All the years of experience and she still believes that she continues to learn as she goes along. Hope you've enjoyed listening to my chat with Michelle. 
for lots more inspiring stories, do continue to subscribe, download and listen to Melting Pot with me, your host, Pyle.